Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix coming up here momentarily. We'll get his thoughts on uh, what's going on with the NBA and the Players Association and the call uh, over the weekend with some players expressing some concern. So we'll get Chris's thoughts on on exactly what's going on and and we'll uh, talk to him about if he read Ed, Ed Davis's interview as well, which I, I thought was very good and some of the sentiments that, that he expressed there. And I'm sure Chris will come on and, and make... Uh, make sense of it all for us but in fact let's let's go ahead and get to it it's time for your daily assist it's time for your nba fix this is the big show daily assist featuring all the latest news and insight on the association now joining the big show senior nba writer for sports illustrated chris mannix on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. After the Sprint special guest line, we go Sprint. They make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now from Sports Illustrated, of course, our friend Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. How are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, we're just trying to uh, kind of follow the day-to-day advancements as we get back, hopefully, to some NBA play soon. But talk to us about what happened over the weekend, starting on Friday. Some of the players uh, expressing themselves and some concerns about returning to the bubble and fallout from there. Give us your read on the situation. Yeah, I mean, there was anywhere between 80 and 100 players on this call organized by Kyrie Irving. And, look, I think it's important to note that Players on, on this issue of returning to play are, are not speaking with one voice. You know, you have Kyrie, who obviously you know feels passionately about uh, not returning to play because of all the goings on with the killing of George Floyd and the aftermath of it. And you know, there's a, a sense among Kyrie and others that feel that way that you come back to play and you are becoming kind of the distraction that this country will use to move on. And, you know, black players uh, don't want to be a part of that. They don't want to be the reason you move on. They don't want to be distraction from uh, what's going on. They want to be a part of it. So, you know, there's that, you know, faction of players that feels that way. But there's also plenty of players that are, you know, dealing with health concerns, whether it's their own or members of their family that might be in Orlando with them. Um, But the the medical protocols, you know, they're, they're not even finished yet. And, We've already seen varied reports, you know, on-the-record reports from officials in Disney saying that, you know, their employees are not going to be quarantined in the same way that players are. And, you know, to me anyway, that defeats the purpose of a quarantine or a bubble if you're going to have, you know, staffers coming in and out that aren't uh, subject to the same type of, uh, you know, environment that NBA players and staffers are going to be in. Look, there are other players that have, you know, lifestyle concerns. I mean, especially the younger ones, there, there really isn't a lot of motivation to go down there and, you know, lock yourself and confine yourself in Orlando for three months. I mean, unless you love playing golf every single day, there's not a lot to do down there. So, you know, there are a lot of issues that are being discussed, you know, amongst NBA players. And, 
you know, Kyrie Irving just, you know, sort of had the most, the strongest, the most vocal of the, uh, the conversations just this past weekend. We saw some comments from Ed Davis, uh, Chris, and he was sort of speaking for the common man within the NBA. Are those guys heard? Do they have a voice in any of this, or is it all about stars like LeBron? No, they definitely have a voice. And, you know, one thing to be clear with is that the NBA is going to come back. Like, they, nothing that's gone on is going to dissuade the league from following its timeline. And... You know, they've done the right thing in being in lockstep with the union. Michelle Roberts, Chris Paul have been part of this process every step of the way. So they haven't, you know, there, there isn't the kind of discord that we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now between the NBA and and top union officials. But the question is just going to be how many players decide to sit it out. And I'm sure there are going to be some players that decide not to go for, for various reasons. Um, but regardless of that, the season will go forward. So... You know, whether it's players like Ed Davis or Kyle Kuzma or other players that have been vocal uh, over the last uh, couple of days, um, you know, they're going to get their chance to play. And, you know, they'll get the chance to earn the money that they, they can on their contracts and, and finish out the season the way they want. Chris Mannix with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, reportedly expressed concern because he, of course, has a big contract extension coming up in these unique circumstances. He's uh, concerned about injury that could alter things for him. And I, I think that's certainly a legitimate concern. I've, I've heard maybe talk of insurance policies or, or something along those lines. But what are your thoughts on somebody in his specific position? Yeah, I mean, of course it's a concern. You know, if you're a young player in line for your first big contract, you you want to make sure that uh, you're as healthy as possible, uh, or at least not kind of being rushed into a highly intense atmosphere that the NBA playoffs are going to be. I mean, my perspective on it is that players like Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum and, and others, that they have less to be concerned with than, at least financially, than some other players do. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, and you hate to even put this into the universe, but assume worst-case scenario that he has a Kevin Durant-type injury. The Jazz is still going to sign him to a you know five-year max, excuse me, max extension uh, type of deal. Like he's just too valuable over the long term for that team to to screw around. The same thing with Jason Tatum and some of the other players that are eligible for those types of contracts. What you you, know, you think about are the lesser players, the guys that. Uh, who are you know relying on these big seasons to catapult them to maybe one of their last contracts? A great example of that is you know Demarcus Cousins a couple of years ago or a few years ago now, you know when he was with New Orleans when you know it goes into the All Star break he's you know playing like a max contract player tears his Achilles and uh, he hasn't made a fraction of that since. So those are the type of players I think that are uh, that that are and probably should be more concerned about rushing back into this. Those top-tier guys in their early to mid-20s, it it would just be surprising no matter what happens if they didn't get the kind of max contract because of the length of that contract and what it would mean to that team. Chris, I'm interested in your opinion of getting back to what you were talking about with the social injustice and and things like that, uh, injustice. Uh, Do you think that the NBA players can come together in this one setting and and do good beyond just lifting the spirits of basketball fans who are so hungry to see the action again? Can they uh, put forth uh, an emphasis and, and not let that message get lost? Oh, I think they absolutely can. And that's been the attitude of LeBron James 
throughout this. And the ads of LeBron really from, you know, the when he started to really ascend to power. You go back to 2017 when, you know, the NFL players kneeling, you know, came to the forefront when Donald Trump took them on. Uh, LeBron was asked about would he kneel during the anthem, and LeBron said some of the extent of my voice is stronger than my knee. And he's always believed that. He's always believed that, um, you know, just his visibility, whether it's on social media or on the floor or in interviews with major outlets after games, uh, he can advance the discussion, advance the cause uh, better that way than sitting out or or doing something a little bit more controversial. And look, I'm not, I don't, I don't choose sides on this type of situation, but I think LeBron has a legitimate point. I mean, these guys are going to be incredibly visible, and I know the NBA is going to work with them on you know just the kind of things they want to do. I mean, if they want to wear you know T-shirts commemorating George Floyd that replace uh, you know warm-up jerseys, I think the NBA would allow that. If they want to do something during the national anthem, quite frankly, at this point, the NBA would probably allow that. If the NBA is going to uh, you know go really go out of its way to make sure that these issues are not just cast aside because we're talking about you know LeBron's legacy and Ben Simmons' health and you know can anybody unseat the Lakers or Clippers in the West? I mean that these are narratives that are going to you know sort of sprout up and become front burner uh, conversations. But I think the NBA is going to be willing to work with players uh, to make sure that you know this movement that's taken hold of this country uh, doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Chris, you talked about uh, Donovan Mitchell and his extension for the uh, with the Jazz. Can, can we shift our focus to Rudy Gobert for a moment? There's a story out uh, by Tim Bontemps today uh, where he talks to some uh, executives in the Eastern and Western Conference. And we've asked you about this situation a number of times in the past, but it, it's come back up again that uh, if the Jazz you know, do not um, come to an agreement uh, with a long-term extension for Rudy Gobert in this offseason, whenever that may be, they may consider trading him to get some value in return. Do you have any thoughts on that scenario and maybe how much or how you see this possibly playing out? Yeah, look, I think it's certainly possible that, you know, these negotiations could could reach an impasse because Rudy is a is a tough guy to kind of put a price on. I mean, he's so great defensively. He's certainly developed nicely in the last couple of years offensively, but, you know, he's not a, a no-brainer for – a max level contract, and and that has little to do with the, you know, the issues he's had with Donovan Mitchell over the last couple of months. It's more about just a, a basic mathematical equation. I mean, do you believe if you're the Jazz that you're going to tie yourself for four more years or five more years, whatever it is, uh, to this player? I mean, when are you going to see diminishing returns? When is that contract, or is that contract going to become an albatross? around their neck. I mean, the Jazz, as we've talked about many times, have an incredibly smart front office. So uh, this is definitely, I'm sure, something that they're, uh, they've been contemplating already. But I, I would imagine they've got a, 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 a breaking point when it comes to Rudy Gobert and, and his contract. It's probably not going to be at that full max level. Uh, well, the question will be, is Gobert seeking that? Does he believe he can get that uh, on the open market in the summer of 2021? There's a lot of uncertain economics out there nowadays because of what this coronavirus has done to the financial landscape of the NBA. So that's definitely one of the uh, more interesting negotiations to watch between Gobert and the Jazz. Chris, speaking of finances, uh, do you think of all – you talked about all the different points of view and the different places players are coming from as they're talking about 
uh, starting the season again and all that. Uh, how important is finances and all this? Uh, usually when you talk about negotiation, it is issue number one. Is it really come down to that in this particular case, or are these other things more important? No, I look, I, I, in all cases, I think money talks. I mean, whether it's will players return, you know, in, in July or – you know, what happens between the NBA and the union this off season if it looks like this coronavirus pandemic is going to keep uh, teams out of uh, – fans out of buildings, you know, for some or all the 2020-2021 season. I mean, it just it, – it's always – it always comes down to money, and it always comes down to, you know, the finances of these teams. And it'll be very interesting how significantly they're shaken up in the years to come. I mean, what does the cap look like? In the in this uh, this off season going into next off season, I mean, how much uh, movements are there going to be? Is there going to be an amnesty clause uh, that's brought that's brought back? That's something that some team executives I've talked to have really pushed for. You know, as, as a way to kind of level the playing field, um, you know, with a, a reduced salary cap. So yeah, it, it it often is about money, and I think once again it will be when it comes to this stuff. Well, can we talk about that uh, just for a second? And Chris Mannix is with us uh, from Sports Illustrated on 97.5 and, and 1280 The Zone. You know, financially, what is at stake for the players if they play or don't? I mean, we're, we're talking billions, right? I mean, easily. You know, it's hard to put an exact dollar figure on it. I know smarter, you know, front office minds than I have done that. But it is a question of multi-billion dollars that's, would be just devastating for the NBA and very difficult to recover from. Would probably take years to ultimately recover from, uh, just because I mean they they're getting money from these TV networks now, but you know they have to make good on these contracts, and that would completely wreck their their entire next season. Uh, it would be a game changer, and it could lead to a work stoppage if the NBA decides to terminate the collective bargaining agreement, which would be their right um, after this season. So. Uh, it's very important, you know, for the economics of the NBA, the the long-term health of the NBA, to to find some way to finish the season, even if it doesn't look uh, the way you hope it looks. Even if some players decide to sit out, even at the risk of of major injury, I mean, the the economics could just change drastically if this season doesn't go forward. That's why. That's why, as I said at the beginning, I, I just I don't see any scenario where the NBA doesn't come back. I just think they're they'll they'll make some accommodations here and there, and certainly try their best to. Uh, to be part of this whole social justice movement moving forward, but they're going to be back, I think, one way or the other. The coronavirus rages on, Chris, and uh, in, in a lot of, in a number of states, the rates are going up. People are still getting this thing; it hasn't been done away with yet. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this uh, because a lot of our listeners really think about this all the time. Wondered if you have a, a thought on that because I remember when we initially talked with you about it, you were talking about visiting your parents, and you said at one point that you didn't think you'd see them for the rest of this year. Do you feel the same way now? Yeah, I, I still feel the same way. Um, I, I saw them briefly when they came back from Florida to Massachusetts, and um, I wore a mask around them and dropped them off from the airport at their house, and that's probably the extent of my contact for the foreseeable future. I mean, I think. But the problem is, and, and you guys probably experienced this as the weather gets warmer, we just stopped caring. Like, the coronavirus didn't go anywhere. We just stopped caring about the effects of it. And it's unfortunate because, look, I've been spending a lot of time talking to people in Florida, studying the situation in Florida, because that's where the NBA is coming, going to return. And 
you know, those cases are spiking at, at record high rates. Like, it's coming back in force. You don't even want to call it a second wave. It's just a, a resurgence of the first one that's come about. And I think that's unfortunate. I think that, you know, look, I, I'm all for the people that say we've got to get back to work. Of course you have to factor in the economy when you're making any type of life decisions when it comes to the future of this country. What annoys me, I know annoys a lot of people, are these beaches being flooded and bars being open and and, and flooded once again. I mean, I, I live in the Boston area. I went down to the boardwalk where near where I live, and you know, bars were, were, you know, they were open, like outdoor seating, but they were packed. And, like, it's just, you know, I, I feel like we have to find a middle ground between getting our economy up and running again and making social sacrifices that, you know, prevent us from, you know, going to the beach and doing, you know, fun summer activities, but keep people safe and keep them healthy because it, it's not like just because, you know, we, the, the weather got warm, this is going anywhere. It, it's going to be around, and the longer we screw around with it, uh, the longer it's going to take to ultimately disappear. I saw a report, uh, by the way, uh, Chris, I don't know if it was is valid or whatever, that there's been talk that there may not be fans in the seats next season in the NBA. Is there, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, teams are anticipating it, and they're kind of building out financial models uh, with that in mind. I think what will be most interesting for the NBA is how do they handle things, or if they handle things on a state-by-state basis, because – Look, as we've seen, Texas and Florida seem more open to allowing fans back in venues than other states are. So if the Dallas Mavericks have the ability to, you know, put 75% capacity in American Airlines Center, but the Lakers don't, will the NBA allow them to do that? Will they allow Mark Cuban and the Mavericks to make money off fans and you know, the bus family not to do it, or, or Dolan, or teams in New York versus teams down in Florida. If they do, will there be some revenue sharing involved so everybody gets a piece of the pie? It's Look, baseball is a disaster. I mean, what they're doing is just borderline reprehensible and, and so self-destructive. But, you know, basketball can look at it now and, and kind of hold its nose up to it, but it could wind up in that type of situation next year. If, if this thing doesn't clear up and it doesn't look like the economics could be close to back to normal, uh, you know, we could be looking at, at an ugly labor fight between the players and the union as they try to figure out what's the, the what, which side gets to take take the biggest uh, brunt of it uh, moving forward. Baseball self destructive? No, never. <laughs> they wouldn't do such a thing. Yeah, the sport the sport with the oldest demographics of any of the four majors is just you know siphoning off fans you know by the week. It's it's remarkable to see how how bad they are at this. Chris, what do you think? I uh, wasn't going to bring this up, but what do you think of uh, Tory Hunter's remarks and? The baseball fans there in Boston, you living there, uh, is is that a uh, a concern of yours uh, in that particular city? Oh, it, it always has been. Um, and, you know, Tory Hunter lent a very public voice to things I've heard from black friends to other black writers that I work with that come through town. Um you know, as, as someone that was born and raised in Boston, you'd like to see, you hate to hear that. Um, and, and on a personal level, like I, I don't know a lot of people that, that are racist. I don't know a lot, or I certainly don't associate with people that are racist, but I can certainly, you know, believe that, you know, the, the older generation and, and certain parts of the city uh, very much are. And, and all you can do is kind of hope to keep turning the corner and, and hope to keep, you know, 
eliminating that from the city. I mean, I love Boston. I lived in New York for for almost 15 years, and the, the first chance I got to to move back to Boston, live in the area, I took it because I, I wanted to to be here. Uh, and you, you want to see that stigma go away. There's always going to be people that have experienced it, that that know it, and that that you know can't can never forget it. And I don't blame them one bit for that. But all you can do is hope that 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 changes and a younger generation doesn't grow up that way, doesn't hear that type of stuff, and uh, and the perception, the reality of Boston changes uh, dramatically. Chris, thank you very much as always. Have a great week. You got it, guys. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, your daily assist right here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Always good hearing from Chris. I, I didn't ask him about this, but I thought about it, Gordon. Maybe we'll ask him when, when the NBA is, is back. But you, you remember when, um, you know, back uh, going back to the, the genesis of Black Lives Matter and, and he talked about what LeBron uh, was asked about what he was going to do and those sorts of things. Well, the Jazz, they decided they were, they were going to lock arms for the national anthem. Uh, you remember this, and and they did that throughout the season. In fact, they they may even still still do it. Uh, it, it lasted for a while. But uh, point being, Gordon Hayward didn't refuse to do it, Gordon, but he participated. But he also uh, put his hand over his heart. You remember that he would lock one arm and then put his hand over his heart with the other because that was that was important to him. And I wonder, one, I wonder how convert, uh, controversial that was in the locker room at the time. And two, I wonder how he now chooses to handle it. Yeah, I, and I don't know the answer to either one of those questions. But uh, I, I think we're going to see it for sure. Uh, I don't care what it says in, in the... In the uh, uh, agreement from the NBA about standing for the national anthem, but uh, I can almost guarantee that we're going to see some demonstration uh, to keep that focus on a very important cause in this country. I know we're going to see it in the NFL, and I suspect we'll see it in the NBA. But don't you find that fascinating? You talked about the evolution of opinion, right? Uh, it, you know, that uh, uh, Drew Brees just uh, basically gave out an opinion that uh, he uh, would not choose to kneel or, or that would not be his preference. And, you know, look what happened to him. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, but, you know, that that subject is going to surface again. And when, when Gordon Hayward chose to do that, it kind of flew under the radar, right? So now what happens? If his whole team kneels, does he? Good question. I can't. And how only, popular would that be? Answer that with his teammates, or yeah. or would he? Uh, you know, we hear a lot of athletes saying that they like JJ Watt the other day, saying, you know, that he'd get behind his teammates and support his his teammates, right? So would would Gordon Hayward end up choosing to do that? Does it matter, or would it come into play the fact that he's Caucasian, as opposed to if a a black player decided he was going to stand when his teammates were kneeling? Makes it a little more delicate, doesn't it? It, it seems like it would. Uh, but I, I think there is uh, this awareness that has come uh, and hopefully will be sustained all around the country. I, Based on what I've read and uh, the people I've talked to say it's, it's, it's definitely going to happen. And I think there has been a shift around the country that people understand it has become more clear in their minds that uh, these players are not necessarily uh, protesting the flag, uh, are not trying to make a statement about the anthem. 
They are focusing on this social injustice. And I think more Americans understand that now than ever before. And hopefully that understanding will grow to a point where we can eradicate the the uh, the ugliness that uh, has been prevalent in this country, or at least has been evidenced in this country far too often. And one one thing, and we'll get out to Ryan from Tri-Day Trading here in one second, but, uh, but one thing that stood out to me about what Ed Davis had to say kind of on this note, because I, I think a lot of times, Gordon, as we've talked about in the past, the message does get uh, kind of hijacked sometimes or at very least diluted. And so I, I thought what Ed Davis said, where he said, I want to fight against, quote, I want to fight against police brutality. That's my cause. That's really what I want to focus on. I thought that was helpful. You know, keep keep the, the purpose narrow and, uh, you know, keep the message specific. I, I thought that but was helpful. But it's bigger than just that, isn't it? I mean, it's bigger than just that. Uh, racism in this country runs to a bunch of different levels mm-hmm. beyond the brutality. It does, but I, I don't think a lot of that is going to get solved overnight. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, not to bring awareness to it, because I think that is helpful. But, I mean, when you're talking about an immediate problem that this protest can affect, police brutality, I think, is is absolutely something. And we're already seeing the, the, the gears grind a little bit. Hmm. Well, I hope it's broader than just that, although that is extremely important. Well, I okay. Well, don't misunderstand me. I, I mean, I think no, the I'm message not. I'm is not broad. Saying that you're I, saying I just one thing or the other. I just thought that um, I found that helpful for Ed Davis. He has a he has a, a goal and he has a purpose, and that's that's the message he wants to get across. Okay, good. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from TridayTrading.com, our good friend Ryan. Ryan, what's happening? Hey guys, how are you? Hey, we are doing just fine. Let's help out our listeners a little bit. You know, in these times, maybe folks are, are looking to do something a little bit different, maybe supplement the income, you know, maybe uh, make a little extra money to, uh, to uh, you know, help with youth sports. I know you're very active in youth sports, Ryan. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons I would imagine people get into TridayTrading.com. Yeah, I think now more than ever, people are um, out there looking for, you know, multiple ways to, to bring in a little extra money. Day trading um, is unique because it's one of those things that you can actually do from anywhere. doesn't matter you, you know, where you're at as long as you have an Internet signal. You also can do it any time of the day or night. You know, For those that aren't aware, the, the markets that we trade on are open 24 hours a day. They close down uh, Friday afternoon, open back up Sunday afternoon, so you have to take Saturdays off. But you know, other than that, it's just an opportunity to, to really – increase your income without having to, to really take away from, you know, more family time or anything else that's going on out there. So we want we want to give everybody a chance just to kind of learn how it works. Um, everybody's familiar with the Zoom calls now or the, the video calls that, that everybody's doing. Well, Alema and Hans have been uh, day trading with us for a while now. They're going to share a little bit of, of uh, their story. And then we're going to take, you know, 15, 20 minutes and just explain um, how our day trading program works. Uh, anybody that wants to be a part of that can. All you have to do is go to our website, trydaytrading.com, and uh, click on the Save a Spot. Tomorrow night at 6 o'clock is when we're going to do the, the first one, and then the following day at noon. You know, and we'll make sure those are, are short and sweet so you can learn what we do and, and also decide if it's something that would work for you. Wow, super easy way to get started. Just go to trydaytrading.com, reserve your spot, and catch one of those calls. And Eleven Hans will tell you all about it, all about their personal experience going to be fun so it might as well uh, might as well make it exciting and those two guys always uh, are a good time you're the man thank you very much ryan we appreciate you 
Thank you. That's our friend Ryan from TridayTrading.com. Uh, uh, during the interview with Chris, I referenced a report from Tim Bontemps. We'll talk about that. I want to get Gordon's thoughts on the future of the Jazz and Rudy and Donovan. We'll do that coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We've got an odd sports port coming up at 4.50. Andy Larson of the Salt Lake Tribune is going to join us at 5 o'clock. Of course, he covers the Jazz, so we'll get his opinion on uh, what's going on in the NBA. But, of course, he's been, I don't know, Gordon, what do you want to say, specially assigned to the Tribune's coronavirus coverage? So we'll, Yes, I think that fits. We'll, uh, we'll get his thoughts on some. He's done some really fantastic work uh, at sltrib.com. Very, very helpful stuff. So we'll talk to Andy at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But, uh, Gordon, I referenced uh, this report from Tim Bontemps uh, with Chris Mannix, and I I just want to get our listeners, uh, I'll I'll read the full report here, and I just want to get your thoughts, because this is something we've been talking about for a while. So this is what uh, Tim had to say. No one uh, surveyed said that the potential frostiness between the two, meaning Rudy and Donovan, will be the driving factor in any major roster decisions for the Jazz. Quote, I think it's fine, unquote, an Eastern Conference executive said, quote, the Jazz have no interest in trading either guy, and I don't think it's leading to the breakup of their team, unquote. But Bontemps goes on and says, but people did point to the potential uncertainty surrounding Rudy Gobert's contract moving forward. Unlike Mitchell, who will be a restricted free agent in 2021 and is all but certain to get the full max offer from the Utah Jazz, Gobert can become an unrestricted free agent next summer. If Gobert and the Jazz are unable to agree to an extension, several people said they could see Gobert becoming available in trade uh, trade talks. Quote, they're not Stockton and Malone. A Western Conference executive said, it's a different time. There's not a lot of guys like that anymore, unquote. Gordon, your thoughts. Well, my reaction is uh, that this would be something for the Jazz to consider regardless of the relationship between Tom and Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Yeah, which I think he said that. Yeah, and then this has to do with this has to do with how much money is Rudy Gobert worth. Ah. The the we've gotten to the bottom of things here, Gordon. So uh, now this is why you get paid the big bucks. I'm going to set this up real quick. The answer to Rudy's value is go. <laughs> well, I don't know. Oh, did I? Hold on, you, let me call Rudy. Did I put you in an no. awkward spot there, Gordon? Sorry I, I, sorry, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm not sure the Jazz do either. I mean, if you're Dennis Lindsay. Are you paying Rudy Gobert if if he wants if he wants the supermax? Are you willing to pay him that? By the I'm way, this sure. this question is the source of Rudy calling his teammates out nine games in, and the source of some <laughs> of that you know he wants the ball drama because Rudy knows what gets paid in the NBA, so well, he wants I, I, it. I think that's pretty easy to say. He wants it. Yeah, I, I think Rudy Gobert is really, really, really valuable. You and I have talked about this. I've written about it. He is 
important to the Jazz in a major way. I just don't know whether I put him in the Supermax category. I Because if you do that, then think about what you're doing with your team and the way that limits you as far as getting uh, what you might want as far as talent in the future moving forward. I, that, that's really what the Jazz, I, I don't know. I haven't had that specific conversation with anyone, but it has to be what they're thinking about. They're evaluating that and trying to figure out uh, to put a monetary value on on Rudy Gobert. And it, and this is this is why that's so important, because it is worse to pay your best players too much money than it is not to have them at all because it is so difficult to fix it once it's in place. Unless that player is the best player in the league. Right. I mean, unless that player is LeBron, KD, Steph. Are there even any others to throw into that conversation? So, so then the question becomes, is Rudy Gobert one of them? So here's, here's the thing, Gordon, and I'll, I'll throw this opinion at you. Whatever Rudy, Rudy's demands are, like let, let's say Rudy wants the Supermax, all right, and that's what he's expecting. If the Jazz can't do it or if the Jazz don't want to do it, I don't think there's much messing around. I think they have to move on from Rudy. Yeah. Because, I... because really what happens if they lowball him and he says no and moves on in, in uh, unrestricted free agency, right? Or what if they what if they they lowball him and that just turns to bitterness and he's going to leave anyway? That's that's the hard part with this is because Rudy's eligible for the supermax. There are only a few players in the NBA who are actually eligible for that. And if you tell him you say I know you're eligible for it, Rudy, but you're not worth it, that's not going to sit well. <laughs> yes, yes, and this is the, this is the nature of the complexity of the question. Because I haven't come to a conclusion yet, and I don't know whether the Jazz have, but they're they're <laughs> the clock's ticking. That's I, why that's why the interruption in this season is is difficult for them, because they have to come to some really important conclusions here real quick. Can you imagine if they just automatically gave Donovan a max extension and said, "Here you go, enjoy," but then lowballed Rudy? I mean, and low, maybe that's the smart. Balling? Well, I don't know. That's that's the interesting part because if Rudy is is bent on getting a supermax contract and that's that, you know, anything outside of that could be considered lowballing. You know what I mean? Do you think there is a team out there somewhere in the NBA that would be willing to pay him the supermax? Well, the Jazz are the only team that can pay him the supermax. But oh, so okay. there's that. All right, but you know what I'm saying. That the uh, willing to max Rudy out a max yes. a max. What is uh, if you go somewhere else? Isn't it uh, max four years? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's a that's a really great that's a really great great question because I and, I do think that the criticism on Rudy of him not being an offensive player is unfair because I think he's found a way to be you know very efficient and effective offensively. But the truth remains, he can't go out and win you a ball game. You know, if it's tied in the fourth quarter, you can't clear out and give Rudy the ball and say, go win it for us. He has to have somebody else make the play to set him up. You know, so a Supermax player, I mean, they've got to be 
the amount of money you're committing toward them and your cap, I mean, they've got to be a player that goes out and wins your basketball game single-handedly almost, right? And maybe I'm oversimplifying this because Locke could tell you, you know, with wind shares and all that sort of thing, that Rudy is that. I just don't yes. know if I'm convinced. Yeah, I think that that's what David would say. Is it what the Jazz will say? Uh, that that And is the standard different for the Jazz than it would be for another team for the, what you just pointed out with my mistake? Is... Will he require the Jazz to pay him the Supermax? And if they don't give it to him, would he be willing, uh, would he then look forward to taking a different dollar amount elsewhere? Right. Right. Because, because is it then, does he feel offended? Does he feel disrespected? Right. You know, if you came to me, Gordon, and you said, hey, I think I'm worth uh, our relationship, your role in my life is worth at least a pound of cheese a week. And I said to you, actually, Gordon, I think it's about half that. You'd probably be a little bent out of shape. Yeah, but would I be bent out of shape enough to say, just cut it uh, off? Well, you are no longer my friend. Because my friendship is definitely worth a pound of cheese. And if you're only willing to pay me uh, a, a half a pound of cheese, then maybe my friend over here or a potential friend over here will will give me three quarters of block of cheese right so <laughs> well austin offered me a uh, half a pound of bacon so i'm moving on <laughs> so I, so i am therefore put in a tough spot or you are put in a tough spot right. for having to fulfill my requirement because of why because i know you can but you won't right i i can afford a pound of cheese but you're not worth that and does, what's going on with the coronavirus and all that and that financial strain that it's putting on all of the NBA, will that, uh, will that come into play as well? Well, it will uh, to what that Supermax figure actually looks like. Because that, that whole figure is based on basketball-related income, right? Percentage of the salary cap. So if the salary cap goes— guesses, Have you seen any guesses about what that will be? Well, no, because do they do they do the force majeure thing and just throw away the entire CBA and and work up a new one? Because if that's the case, then we're we're talking about billions and billions, as Ed uh, Ed Davis told us. Uh, Bobby Marks had some reporting on it. Here's what Bobby Marks said of uh, what he works for ESPN now. He's a former general manager in the league. He says players have the right to do as they choose. However, the economics on not playing are devastating. We're talking $1.2 billion in lost player salary. That's 35% of their total pay. NBA now having leverage to tear up the CBA and negotiate a new one. And $2 billion lost in revenue to the league. So, I mean, $1.2 billion is an incredible amount of money, and that's just player salary. That $2 billion lost to the revenue to the league, that'll all play into next year's salary cap unless they figure out a different arrangement. Right. So that's why Ed Davis said, you know, Donovan's $160 million extension could be $90 million, and poof, like that, $70 million is gone. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. there's a lot on the line. <laughs> that's what you're saying. There's a lot on the line. I think the NBA and the Jazz would prefer – for the league to generate that kind of money so they could pay it if they want to. Right. So as opposed to whatever, you know, if they if they think they can get a a bargain price moving forward if the entire league and the Jazz themselves are making less money, then that's not a win-win. But if if Rudy wants the Supermax and that's what he wants and the Jazz don't view him as as worth that, I think they really have to look at trading him. I really do. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we've learned that in the past, haven't we? Yep. Where teams, where uh, a player has walked out the door and the Jazz have gotten no value for it. Uh, they don't want to repeat that. No. All right. I don't know. They, you know that'd be very interesting. You talk about uh, giving folks truth serum. Wouldn't it be really interesting to know what Rudy's thoughts are on that? Andy Larson at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, we've got the Not Sports Report coming up next. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong play of the game. Give Beak Caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. That's 855-340-ZONE. And give the correct answer to what David and Pat gave out as the Chevy Strong play of the game this morning at 8.50. Was that a hard stop between? 855-340-ZONE. Yeah, that's it. 855-340-ZONE. Zone? zone. Is that, okay. Did I forget to say zone there? I was trying no, to debate you just in my mind. Stuff. I was like, did I already say zone? Uh, it's the Chevy Strong play of the game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers only right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's time to get to the Not Sports Sport brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, you ever have that happen where you think, wait a minute, did I just say... <laughs> or have I not said it yet? That's what happened to me in the phone number. I was like, 855 Zone? Anyway. Uh, where are we going today, buddy? Well, we're going uh, we're going all around the globe. Got two stories here. Um, have you ever gone through a drive-thru at a fast food restaurant in anything other than a car? Uh, I tried to walk through one late at night in Logan, Utah, of all places, and was rebuffed. Well, why? They said we had to have a car. Well, why? I asked them the same thing, and they said, them's the rules. Well, a 55-year-old man uh, tried to get some service at a KFC drive-thru, and this was in a different country. I think it was England. But he was riding on (laughs) – he had a horse-drawn carriage. Okay. So he he went through the drive-thru, said he wanted a bargain bucket, and they said, "Sorry, we can't serve you. You're on a you're on a cart being pulled by a, a, an Irish cob." So he put up a a, a fuss about that, and uh, they but they told him it was against the rules to ride <laughs> ride a horse drawn carriage through the drive through at KFC. Did uh, he, was was there a passenger looking to get to the Pepsi Center involved? <laughs> <laughs> no. Looking no. too expensive. No. Was there a, was a certain rider who said, "You know what? Pull up, uh, pull up, up uh, by this KFC, and get a little snack before we go." Well, cover that, the and, and then the rider asked for the, uh, the the chef's recommendation at said KFC. <laughs> what are you? What, what's good here? I don't see anything wrong with a horse-drawn carriage. You know, going through the drive-through. There's some Why leavings there that may happen. Why? What? 
the horse may use the drive-thru <laughs> other than for drive-thru purposes. Oh, uh, well, maybe, but that, that, had not, that, had not ha- <laughs> that had not happened, and he was already in line. So, I mean, it was too late. And everyone knows if a horse hasn't that. done it yet, he ain't going to do it. <laughs> Wait a second. I think, I think this man uh, all, all, was perfectly within his rights to uh to drive through the drive through in a uh, in a horse drawn carriage no, it wasn't. I, 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 you know what what so what did he do he got rejected there so he went to the McDonald's nearby and they didn't give him any lip at all he just went right on through got picked up his his big mac and went on his way how about you gordon you've gone through a, a drive through uh, in anything but a car before <laughs> I, maybe i've done it on a motorcycle but I, it was a long time ago. Have you owned a motorcycle? How do you? Yeah. Where do you put yeah, the food? I had a, I had a motorcycle when I was a, when I was a, a young person. Was it a motorcycle or one of those mopeds? No, it was a motorcycle. It was, it was a, 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 a ten-speed with a plane card in the spokes. <laughs> no, no, it was, it was a, a proper Vroom! motorcycle. I loved that thing. That was really, really a fun thing to ride around in. Although. All you out there driving cars, keep your eyes open for motorcycles. And then I have this story out of China. A woman uh, was on a five-hour flight, and she had just broken up with her, her. Her boyfriend had just broken up with her. And so she was quite distraught. And she may have imbibed a little alcohol before she got on the plane. But at, when she was on the plane, she got so upset, she kept repeatedly punching a window and cracked it so that the plane had to make an emergency uh, landing about halfway through the flight. Seems a little reckless. I'm just wondering, Austin, what is the worst response you've ever had when a girl broke up with you? Um, well, you know, since you're not my therapist, I'll make up an answer. Uh, no, but really, this one time, I this girl wanted to break up with me, and I was like, okay, I, I don't want her to break up with me, so I was like, let's talk about it, let's talk it through. And she was so uh, rude and crazy in the way she was talking to me that by the time we were done talking, I was like, actually, I do want you to break up with me. So I, I didn't fight it much. Hmm. I had a friend of mine once who... She his- punched the window. His, his girlfriend broke up with him, and he was quite uh, <laughs> he was quite upset. So I sat him down, and I said, okay, look, I'm going to talk you through this, and 24 hours from now, you'll be over it. So I said, but you got to focus. you got to focus. Think about the positives. And I worked with him for the whole day, and by golly, the next day he was ready to go. That was one of my finest contributions to a friend. Professional medical advice without a license? That's a felony. Well, it, was, it wasn't medical. It was ah, it sounds mental like health. Mental health is certainly medical. I didn't know there was a PhD at the end of months. And- <laughs> well, I helped him through it, and he ended up uh, with You're a. Not, beautiful- who are you, the love guru? <laughs> I guess what I this? thought I was. Well, I helped somebody once. I'll, I'll tell you how to do it. Well, th- this is this is what, how I felt qualified to do it because it happened to me one time, and I <laughs> and I was able to make it through the twenty four hour cycle, and I was ready, good to go. So I thought that I would help my friend, and I th- I thought I was doing him a service. I don't know, man. 
I've water skied before. I'm not going to walk into a water skiing class and say, I got this, Teach. I've done this before. I thought I really helped him. I got my rifle merit badge at Scout Camp. Doesn't mean I can just go hunting. You got to take proper measures. He had his heart ripped out, and I understood that. And so I went through him, and I told him all the good things about him, all the things he had to offer, and, uh, and he, didn't, he didn't need to, to shed tears over that particular old girlfriend. All right, let's and it, worked out, it worked out perfectly for him. He's happily married. He's been married for 40 years. Was his name Bill Puxley? <laughs> Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our good friend from TridayTrading.com. He's our friend Ryan, who's here to uh, help you with a new opportunity, not necessarily un- being unqualified to dish out love advice. <laughs> uh, hey, Ryan, Ryan, if you ever need any advice, uh, you know who to call. I'm here for you. I appreciate that. I've got you on speed dial. <laughs> Okay. Well, that that makes one of us when it comes to these issues. Uh, let's talk about helping our listeners, Ryan, uh, and perhaps an opportunity that really can fit most anybody's lifestyle out there like a glove. Yeah, there's there's tons of opportunity in day trading. Right now, even with the stock market going up, down, sideways, uh, that's when day traders actually do their best, when the market is moving. So it doesn't matter if it's going down, doesn't matter if it's going up, um, just a good time to be a day trader. And what we've always committed to do is, excuse me, is to have um, have have times where we can answer questions and actually just let people try this out, let people see what it is that we do, and by doing that, they get a chance to find out if this could be for them. Tomorrow night, we're doing a live uh, video call with Hans and Alema. Those are both going to they're both going to be on online with us, and we're going to do it at six o'clock tomorrow. And then if you if you work late or you six o'clock right during dinner going to do it at noon on Wednesday as well. So all you have to do is go to trydaytrading.com, register for one of those spots. We'll do a live video call, kind of show you some basics. And then if it's uh, something you want to try out, we'll do a, a trial. And the trial is only $10 for 30 days. You know, I like it that you have Hans and Alema talking to everybody because they've jumped right in and made it work for them. And they've got a great kind of personal example. But really, the examples of people succeeding with trydaytrading.com is just, uh, it goes on and on, right? Yeah, there's a lot of people out there. Uh, the The fun thing, too, though, is is we don't want anybody to take our word for it. Um, that trial gives you an opportunity to use our software to see how this all works, really just kind of understand what the potential is because everybody's different, and there's some people that are replacing incomes. There's some people that are just adding a little bit. But we're going to do our best to, to help you find out if this is for you. Trydaytrading.com. Reserve your spot. Hanson Alema doing that uh, that call tomorrow. So reserve your spot today. Trydaytrading.com. Ryan, thank you. Thank you, guys. It's our friend Ryan from Trydaytrading.com. We'll uh, talk with Andy Larson of the Salt Lake Tribune coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.